And, and so we get to chapter 6, and we're going to start a topic. I'm, I'm going to use the word once, um, and, and, and just you can jot it down, and maybe you've heard it, but it's a, it's a theological word. It's called sanctification. It's this idea that in an instant we are saved from the penalty of sin. That's justification. When we give our heart to Christ, we are saved. But then begins a lifelong journey with Christ, with the Holy Spirit inside of us, where God increasingly grows our faith and draws us closer to be more and more like Jesus. It's called sanctification. And so we get to this first verse, and, uh, and, and we're going to hear, I'm going to set this out of the way because I might get crazy this morning. Y'all ready to make it crazy? I might go that way and this way. You don't know what's this. I'm going to knock it over. Let's move it. Are you ready? No, I'm kidding. But what he says is, uh, so he ends with chapter 5 by saying, you know what? If sin increases, grace increases that much more. So there became these two thoughts in the church then and still now that said, you know what? Hey, that sounds like a good deal. Like the more we sin, the more God's grace gets to work. It's like we're doing God a favor. The more wrong I do, the, the more I sin, then I, he's, he's promised he will always forgive me. So I'll just keep on sinning. So Paul asked this question, this rhetorical question that they asked then, they asked now. And he says it in one way in chapter 6 and verse 1. And he says it another way in verse 15. I want to look at those two. And this is going to answer that question. That if you say, well, I'm saved and grace is more, so can I just keep on sinning and do whatever I want? And God just provides the grace, and there's always forgiveness there. And this is the question, the way that Paul asked it in verse 1. He said, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? Verse 15, he says, what then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? He has the same answer both times. Uh, and if you've been with us any amount of time, uh, you know I'm a pretty big fan of grace because that's what the Bible teaches is that we are saved by grace through faith. That's it. So there's two spectrums of this. One, we can sin, do all we want, and the grace goes up. There's one side that says if you're going to be saved, you've got to live right and follow all the rules and laws, and then if you, and at some point you're going to put on the scales and balance at the end of your life, and if you have more good than bad, maybe. Neither, both of those are wrong. Paul says there's somewhere in the middle, because when he asks, shall we sin because we're not under the law anymore, but we're under grace? This was his answer. By no means. Certainly not. He had an exclamation point on it. He said, wait, 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 wait. You've, you've missed the whole picture. <laughs> You, you've missed what happened, because this is not just a change of mindset. When we get saved... The Holy, the Holy Spirit gets a hold of our heart, and it begins to change us from the inside out. I, I think he was even venturing to say, actually, if you really got saved, you would never ask that question. <laughs> because it, it, this is about a core change, a heart change, that your motivations change, and what you love and what you think about and what motivates you begins to change, not because you decided, I'm going to turn over a new leaf. Not because you said this year, January 1, I'm not eating ice cream every night. Not because you just made a decision to do better and change your behavior. He begins to tell us that certain things change 
from the inside. He says, by no means, certainly not. He says, hey, we should not go on sinning. So we're, we're going we're gonna to take this chapter, the entirety of chapter 6, um, and we're, we're going to look at this title, uh, titled, uh, this sermon titled, Being Transformed. This truth that God is with us, if you've given your heart to him, if you are a believer, we're going to find in chapter 8 when we get to it, that he is the one doing a majority of the work. But here in chapter 6, Paul is starting saying, we have a part to play. We have a part to play in our closeness to God. In the blessings that he can give us. In our pursuit of his purpose for our life. That we actually can get lax and miss opportunities that he has offered up for us. And so he starts in this, and, and this, this struggle, you may be like me, that, uh, uh, like, I love that song, Lord, I Need You. I would sing it every Sunday if uh, I might. I pick the songs every Sunday. I might just start picking it one every Sunday. Because, you know, because every week I start to try to walk on my own, regardless. Regardless of how much I'm in my word, I have this tendency to think I can figure out things on my own. And sometimes I'll convince myself that I'm dependent on God, and really I'm not. And so these verses take me back and say, when I wake up on this day and I think, this is going to be a struggle, I hope I get through this one. I I, I hope I can remain faithful through this one. There's some truth in these verses that are good for me, and I believe they're going to be good for you. And as I was thinking about preaching, I was thinking, oh, this, this, this verse is really about sinning, and it was written to the church that, that you know, Christians shouldn't sin. I said, we got all good people. There's maybe like five of the 150 or whatever listening, you know, they need to hear about not sinning. And then I remembered the first three chapters of Romans. They said, you may not wear it on your sleeve. You may not have the T-shirt on. You may not have the, the sin you struggle with above your head. Every single person in here struggles. Even me, your pastor. And so I want to speak to you. How do you take control of that struggle, that temptation, that thing, that trial in your life that you think has a hold of you? I got three things I want to share with you this morning. He gets deep into this when he says that uh, when after he says, "By no means, certainly not." Should we keep on sinning? Absolutely not. You you got it all wrong, is what he's saying. He goes on and he reads here in verse three. It says. Uh, verse 2, by no means we are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? What he's saying is this, this is not something to be debated. It is not something to wonder about. It is not something that you try harder about. There's this absolute truth. And the first point, if, you're gonna, if you take notes, I want you to write down, is the first thing we do to be transformed is we have to stand in victory. Okay, we got to stand 
in victory. Because it, it, it goes on down um, in verse, uh, let me find it, in verse 11. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. You don't have to wake up every day wondering, will you make it through? Will you conquer this trial? You got to know your position. Because he said, saying, asking, oh, I'm a Christian, should I keep on sinning? It's like, does a dead person have a pulse? This is what he's saying. He said, you got to know your position. And he gets in here and he tells us some truths about us when we get saved. He says, actually, when you were baptized, that you were baptized into Christ. And that when you were baptized into Christ, that's going under the water. It's, it's representing the spiritual baptism that happens to us when the Holy Spirit takes a hold of us. When, when we go into the water, it represents us dying with Christ. He said, and you, when you go under that water, and when you give your life to Christ, when you are baptized in the Holy Spirit, you die to your old self. Not like maybe this time I died to myself. Not like maybe this time I'll get it right. Like, can you all grasp the magnitude of this? That He's saying this happens. When you are saved, you die to your old self and you are risen in life in Christ. That's exactly what he says. Verse 3, or don't you all know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ has raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may have, may live a new life. If you're used to the King James Version or New King James Version, you've heard the verse that says, it's time to walk in a newness of life. He tells us this truth that we're baptized into Christ, that our old self was crucified, uh, that we, we now and forever live with Christ Jesus, verses 8 through 10. Uh, and then in verses 16 through 17, in this standing in this victory, we can know who owns us. <laughs> okay, let's read verses 16 through 17. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey? Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But God, thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart. There's that word, this truth, that God changes people from the inside out. That you've come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. Amen. The Bible teaches clearly when we get saved, we have a new birth. He gives us a new heart. We become a new creature. We become a new person. He takes these words pretty, pretty serious in verse 11 when he says, Count it to yourself that you are dead to sin and alive in Christ. Count it, reckon it. This is taking it, uh, taking it to the next level, if you will. This is like being uh, truly convinced 
Right? If you are, if you are, if you know something, you might say, "I know this." You know, I, I know, uh, you know, I know about this subject. But when you are convinced, you live different about it. When you are passionate about it, he says, "The first thing you got to do, you want to tackle what is attacking you, what this, what Satan is throwing at you, is stand in victory. Be convinced." That your old self is dead and your new self is risen because of your faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. He calls us to stand in victory. He goes on to give us uh, more direction. If we are being transformed by the Holy Spirit, if things are new, this takes time. This doesn't mean got saved and, uh, you know, the very day I never, never said another bad word, never had another bad thought. I never did, you know, I, I, never, I never drank again. I never, you know, all these things. It does not immediately make you perfect. Nobody reaches perfection. But you will begin to see your life change. And you will begin to walk in a newness of life. And so he gives us this direction. If you are really saved, you've got a part to play. All right, he, we've got a part to play in what he's about to do in our life. And the first thing he tells us, what I've already shared, to walk in a newness of life. The way we live, the way we go to work, the way we talk, the way we interact with friends, what we do for hobbies, how we have fun, all these things. That what, living a life, how we live our life reflects our faith and what God has done inside of us. So he's given us a direction, one, to stand in victory. And this second one, I mean, it's just, i got to just say it how it is. Uh, he is saying, stop sinning. I mean, that is literally what he's saying. If you go and read uh, in, the, in the second half of this, uh, it says... Um, Don't you know that when you offer yourself to someone's obedient slaves, but thanks to God, and in verse 19, I'm using an example from everyday life because of your human limitations. Just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness, leading to holiness. Verse 12, it says, Therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Verse 13, do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. Do not let sin reign in your mortal body. This tells me that uh, if he's writing this to the church, and if he's saying these things, it is absolutely possible for a believer to become complacent in some, with some sin in their life. And think this is, you know, uh, I'm saved, and we may not believe, and we may not come out and say, well, you know, God always forgives. This is just one part of my life. I'm not cleaning up. But we know by this scripture that sin separates us from 
God and our relationship with him and for his purposes that he has for us. And he says, here's what you need to do. He says, you have got to not let sin reign in your mortal body. If you want God to do everything he can do through you and with you and for you, you cannot let sin reign in your mortal body. What does that mean? There's three things I want you to think about here as it relates to sin in your life. One, it's pretty obvious, like, don't do it. <laughs> like, don't sin. Uh, don't rebel against him. Don't do things that are wrong. Not so you can get to heaven, but because you, so you can have this closeness with Christ, so you can be transformed, so he can do with you what he wants and what he has for you. It says avoid sin. You can take that a step further and avoid the best you can the appearance of sin. You can take that a step further, and, and if you go read about the, the, uh, um, the, uh, the, the armor of God, that we are supposed to be prepared and go to war for righteousness. And so you can take this a step further and say, you know what, I, the, Satan is plotting and scheming and trying to devour me and attack me with the, my weaknesses that he knows, the temptations that I have, and we can take it a step further and say, you know what, I'm not just going to avoid sin or avoid the appearance of it. I know there are places I go <laughs> that tempt me. I know there are people I get around that distract me. I know that there are things that I watch that change my heart. And you know what, I'm just not even going to take the step in the direction of my temptation. Okay, you can say, you know what? Uh, maybe, you're, maybe you're an alcoholic. Maybe you've been an alcoholic. And you say, well, there's nothing wrong with going to somebody's house that's drinking alcohol if I don't. But you know that every time you've ever gone to that person's house, you give in. It starts with that first step. This is how the Satan tricks you and tries to take back control of your life. But you've got to stand in victory and know, I've died to my old self. <laughs> I'm going to take some effort upon myself to turn away from my sin. And he takes it the next step, so we stand in victory. We stop sinning. That's, you know, I'm not getting a lot of amens on the stop sinning. That's not a, that's not a, fun, uh, that's not a fun sermon to preach. But it's just true. It's just true that it affects our life, if you're wondering, why, isn't, why can't I get an answer from God? Why, why can't I get his direction? Why can't his guess? Take inventory of your life. Confess the ways you're letting him down. Draw close to him, and he will draw close to you. And he says, well, what? The next thing he says in a way to fill that void. He says, Verse 13, do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And offer what? Every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. We stand in victory, we stop sinning, 
and we start serving. We start serving. We, we, uh, we take every part. If you're like me, I like to take some parts. I like to take some parts of the week and give it to God, and I like to keep the rest in this compartment that this is what I'm doing. Over here, I'll be back. I don't say that. I don't think it, but I'll look back. I'm like, that's what I did this week. Like I was with God on Sunday, I was, I was sermon prepping, I was listening to worship music, um, but then I spent uh, a lot of time just stuck in a social media wall going down and out of my mind, and I was thinking about other work and other projects, and I was thinking about other things in life and my family, I was trying to, trying to fix family things, and, and somehow, and I was trying to fix work things, and I was trying to, trying to fix friend things, and somehow I forget to connect that he is present in those things. And so the, the question becomes, every part, our hands. Will our hands be instruments of sin? Will they bring harm? Or will they bring life? What will we use them for? Will we sin with them? Or will we serve with them? Our mouth. Does it, does it bring harm? Does it bring unity? The words that we say, does it edify those that are around us? Or does it unleash negativity? <laughs> Complaining? Gossip? Does it build up? Does it bring down? Does it speak life? Our feet... Where did they go last week? Where are they going to go tomorrow? Where are they going to take us in life? What are we going to do? Are we going to, we're going to go to church on Sunday and then, and then go into to life on Monday with a totally different perspective, like I've got to get through this week and then I'll go back to church Sunday? Or are we going to live by faith every single day? Our time, our eyes, what will you look at? What will you watch? Will it edify? Will it build you up? Or does it play to your weaknesses, your lusts, your sinfulness? Your thoughts? Your work, will we work for ourselves to get gain and retire or move up the ladder? To pay off bills? Or will we work as unto the Lord because we've been called to work? In Ephesians, it taught us we work to get so that we can give. What's amazing is this chapter feels like. Ooh, that's a lot of pressure on me. <laughs> I stand in victory. I stop sinning. I got to stop doing all this bad stuff and I got to start doing good stuff. But we find as we read on, and you're going to see, especially in chapter 8, especially in chapter 8, let me read you a verse just so I don't leave you hanging in anticipation of, golly, I can't do this. 
Verse 2 of chapter 8 says, Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteousness requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. you got a helper. <laughs> There's, a, there's one, one of my favorite, uh, y'all know Tim Hawkins? You ever watch any Tim Hawkins videos? The, he's, a, he's a Christian comedian. Uh, and and he, he does this uh, uh, little, little segment where he is uh, driving. It's called a Little Helper in the Car. And uh, he's talking about how every time he's driving, that, that he doesn't know what he would do without his wife telling him how fast he was going, what the speed limit was, what color the light was, where the car is getting ready to turn. Like, he's got a little helper in the car, as he says. We've got some other helpers in the cars. And so we find in chapter 8, while Paul calls us, yes, you have a responsibility to contribute to do your part. You can't wait for God to just drop down on your life and make you perfect. Like you have a part to play. But there is something about when you give an inch of effort, he, it's like he gets under it. He's your little helper in the car. He gets a hold of it, and he turns it into much more. Actually, he turns it. He promises he will do more than you can ask or imagine. If you will just make this decision, this mindset for yourself to say, you know what, I'm going to stand in victory. My old self is dead. I am a new creature. It's been promised to me. That's where I'm at. And I'm going to live like it. I'm going to walk like it. And and you know what? I'm going to take the things that, that I used to do with my hands and my mouth, and I'm going to do good with it. And he can take that and accelerate it. And, and you, you'll see, you know, I can't remember where the scripture is, but where he talks about, uh, uh, it may be to Timothy, I can't remember, where Paul's teaching them. He's teaching what should be mature Christians. It was having to feed them milk. Remember that story? And we can find that we can mature in our relationship in Christ at different speeds. <laughs> Depending on how much we put in. The call this morning, the ask this morning, the truth that I want you to stand on is, one, if you're a believer, you are, your old self is dead. You don't have to wonder today, is it dead? You don't have to wonder today, am I going to mess up so bad that God's not going to love me? Well, you don't have to worry about that. You are dead to your old self, and you're alive. You are a new creature. If you are not a believer, this message gives you amazing hope. (laughs) And that all you have to do is put your faith in Jesus Christ and immediately. Not only can the guilt, the condemnation, the, 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 the penalty of sin, the worry, the fear be gone. But the power of it over your life can be gone. I think of it a little bit like a, a, a retirement plan. You know, you give a little, you say, take a little bit out of my check, and then your company matches it or the group that you work for. 
I think of it uh, a little bit like, uh, y'all like chocolate milk? It's like we get saved and, and, and we got a, a cup of milk and the, the spirit is like inside, you know, you, you squirt the, the Hershey's chocolate down in there. And it goes to the bottom and it's separated, right? And it's there and it's present. And, and you realize I've I got this power that I'm not tapping into. And all you got to do is shake it up a little bit, a little stir or a shake. And all of a sudden it all blends together and it gets present in your, and it's like perfect. And so some of us are Christians and we're living this life and we're living like we're defeated. And we're forgetting this power that we have access to. And, and Paul's teaching here in this chapter the steps to take to grow closer to God, to overcome uh, these things that are against us. To realize that Satan is not going to win the victory for your life. At the end of chapter 8, he says we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus who died for us. This morning we're going to listen to one song as we get ready to close for invitation. It's a song that sings this truth that death was arrested and my life began when Christ was on the cross, when he was crucified. Paul is saying that you're dead to your old self. You've been made new in Christ. It was pretty simple. The next thing was just act like it. <laughs> Walk in the newness of life. And if you put a little bit in, when you put a little bit in, the spirit, the strength of God carries you. It carries you. God, we come to you this morning. God, with the, the hope and the promise, God, that we don't have to surrender to the weaknesses we have, the temptations that we have, God, to feel anxious, to, to struggle with fear. God, to, to struggle with, with temptations that the devil knows all too well about our life. God, that we can and need to of our own ability say in our hearts, saying I'm turning away from that and turning away from it to turn to you, to put our trust and faith in you, to stand in this victory, to know that you made us new. God, as you draw us closer and closer to you, we become more and more like you. God, that we could reach the lost around us, our families, our friends. God, that they could see us as we walk in a newness of life. God, these are difficult words for all of us to hear, to hear Paul say, you know what, should you go on sinning since, you know, the more I sin, the grace increases. Should I, since I'm no longer under the law and I'm under grace, 
should I just, can I keep on sinning? And he says, by no means, certainly not. Because if you put your faith in Christ, your heart is changed. The law becomes this guidance of wisdom, and we have a desire to be as close to you as we can be, and as much like you as we can be. God, we don't stand today excited about our ability to turn to you. We stand excited today about your promise to take whatever we give you and make it so much more. We put our hope and our trust in your power. But God, we give you what we've got. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.